Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks from Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. You know, I had a little bit of a health issue lately and lost a lot of weight, almost like 60 pounds. Now, some of that was on purpose. Some of that was from the hospital stay, uh, but I had to get some new clothes. And so guess where I'm going? That's right. I'm going to Leon Tailoring because Larry Norman Kim and Judy have taken my measurements for years and the measurements have dropped a little bit. And so they'll take care of me just like they'll take care of you. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. Don't tell me you lost weight. They'll be able to tell if you have or not. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, as we celebrate our nation's birthday this weekend, there's discussion lately about the harshness of our political discourse. But is there a way to resolve it and return to a more civil society? Well, for that, we spoke with our good friend, uh, journalist and author Alexander Hudson. is the author of a new book, The Soul of Civility, Timeless Principles to Heal Society and Ourselves. That book's coming out later this year. Uh, so, Alexander, my dear, always good to chat with you. And by the way, thank you for joining us, even though you're on vacation in France right now. Thanks, Abdul, for having me. Great to talk with you, as always. Not a problem. Uh, So tell us about the the soul of civility. Uh, What is that about? So the core of the book is that uh, we hear a lot about our public discourse being coarsened and civility um, being rather absent from public life today. And one thing I try to do in the book is show that, yes, this is perhaps the most urgent and pressing issue in our in our public discourse today and threatening our democracy and our civil society. And yet it's not a new problem. It's actually a problem that's kind of coeval with the human condition, because as human beings, we are defined by two competing forces, love of others and love of self. We know we flourish. We become fully human in relationship and community with others. And yet, biologically, morally, we are geared to meet our own needs before others. So these foundational aspects of who we are are intention. And and because of that, the joint project of living well together will always be fragile. It is not a foregone conclusion. And um, that is why there have been thoughtful people across time and place. Um, from the oldest book in the world in ancient Egypt to our own George Washington in the American context, have thought deeply about the role of our our social norms and how we treat one another in the small ways to supporting the, the joint project of, of democracy and living together. Um, so, and, and a core part of the book is that also that there's a difference between civility and politeness. And it's funny because I was going to actually actually ask you about that. Well, what what is the difference between someone just being, you know? plight just to just to get through the day versus actual real civil respect for others respect for others and different opinions exactly and there's a reason it's understandable that we kind of use these terms interchangeably samuel johnson who wrote the first english dictionary in 1755 he actually defined these term these words in terms of one another um you know civility in terms of politeness politeness in terms of civility if you go to dictionary.com today it's the same thing you'll find you know that they're, they're defined in terms of one another and we use them interchangeably and i argue that is a profound problem. We have to separate them um, in order to better understand what we want more of in society and what we want less of. So I argue that uh, politeness is a technique. It's manners. It's etiquette. It's the superficial stuff um, alone. Whereas civility is something deeper. It's a disposition of the heart. It's an orientation to others. It's a way of seeing others in the world around us, um, namely seeing our, our fellow human beings, our fellow citizens, as beings Um, with equal moral worth to us and worthy of a bare minimum of respect in light of that. And sometimes, Abdul, um, being civil to someone means being 
impolite. It means respecting them enough to tell them a hard truth or telling them when you disagree with them or telling you, telling them when you think that, that they're wrong, that that's actually truly respecting someone and not papering over our differences and sweeping our, our, our disagreement under the rug. Well, in that case, my wife is civil to me all the time. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Among the more civil people, I, I know, exactly. <laughs> our guest of the program today is Alexandra Hudson. She's the author of a new book coming out later this year, The Soul of Civility, Timeless Principles to Heal Society and Ourselves. Uh, Alexandra, uh, let me ask you, because uh, obviously uh, our society is a lot more coarse than it was in the past, but when you, when you look at some of the writings and some of the things in our nation's history, were we always as, quote-unquote, civil as we sort of romanticize? It's a great question. One, one thing I, I, I appeal a lot to history, both American history, but kind of human history as well, um, because history is both a caution and a comfort. On one hand, um, you know, we've been through civil war before. Um, peace and prosperity is not a foregone conclusion. And if you look at the human historical record or, or even our nation's history and that it's and that, and that the things that we do, this is a big argument in the book, the things that we do in the small ways have large consequences. The way we treat, choose to respect and treat one another, um, welcome the stranger, show hospitality in the everyday, um, that those have huge consequences for the health and vibrancy of our flourishing and our democracy, um, and yet, and, and so the, that 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 the um, history is a caution in that way because we've we've got, come to the brink of, of war. We've been through war um, before, but it's also a comfort because we've emerged out of really really dark um, seasons in our nation's history before. Um, yes, there was a bloody civil war in our nation's past, but we we did move move through, and we're still a nation despite of that. And uh, we're still we're not quite there today. That's comforting as well. So looking to the past, um, I think, can humble us and also comfort us. And it's interesting, um, you know, this, this looking to the past, I, I will be at Gettysburg uh, this uh, starting July 5th with hundreds of other Americans across the country um, for the Braver Angels Convention. It's kind of this subversive rebellion happening, this sort of countercultural movement trying to foster dialogue across divides uh, with Braver Angels. Braver Angels is the largest uh, grassroots depolarization initiative um, uh, nonprofit um, in, in America right now. And so I, I'll be there with, I think, six or 700 other Americans, half blue, half red, um, trying to figure out this, this, this question, this timeless question, Abdul, how do we do life together across difference? Um, and so it's funny, you know, counterculture, uh, being countercultural, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago was taking the streets and not wearing bras and protesting. But maybe counterculture today is, is you know, sitting down with with people and, and, and people you disagree with and figuring out actually being committed to this project of living together across differences and figuring out how to do that together. So how times have changed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what do we, what do we sort of change? Uh, what do we, uh, was it social media? Was it, you know, just sort of the, the breakdown of, 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 of silos or, or, or more silos going up? Cause I remember back in the old days, we used to get our news from basically three places, uh, the newspaper, radio, television, and even though we didn't agree on maybe the outcome, we, at least we agreed on the facts. 
It's a great question. I think there are two uh, there, there are two things that I, I think that can, we can point to to, to show how um, how things are, are are the same and yet different. So one thing, uh, like human nature, doesn't change. However, um, technology does change. Society does change, and technology, to your point exactly, has changed the way that we interact with one another. All of a sudden, you know, one person says something that isn't true or says something that is offensive. They're not just reaching their family and friends by yelling it from their front porch, they're now able to reach millions of people instantaneously um, with that mistruth or offensive thing. And what's that great line from Churchill that um, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to put its, <laughs> put its pants on. And that's so true. And so that's one thing that is absolutely different and that absolutely has contributed to the, the vitriol and the division uh, in, our, in, our, in our world today. And, and not to mention the fact that we're, we're able to kind of curate our, our lived uh, online experience by only um, exposing ourselves to people and ideas that confirm our pre-existing biases, and and um, and unfortunately, many many that you're right. There are just there there are no more gatekeepers. There's not just one place where we can go to, uh, or that 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 is the agreed upon place for um, for the truth and just, just reporting the news. Like right, everywhere it's very segmented. It's very disintermediated, um, which is I, I think there are the really good aspects of it. That there's not just one one gatekeeper anymore. That we all have, um, you know, our little you have your little corner of the of the of the internet. Abdul, I, ha- I have mine, and it's good to kind of have that. Um, people people go to places that they trust to get that that their news and their their news and their information these days and their analysis. However. That does make it dangerous and possible to again just pre- confirm our pre-existing biases, as a, as opposed to um, having having, as you mentioned, shared experience, like and just and just having this, the same kind of things that we that we talk about that are going on in the everyday. Um, I'll tell you a story about um, civility and politics that does kind of in my in my research reveals a kind of turning point um, in, in, the, in the late 1990s um, there was a, a real concern with uh, public civility and, and our public dialogue and, uh, in, in Congress and something that has never happened before happened an unprecedented amount of philanthropic energy, and resources was dedicated to this issue. The Pew Charitable Trust dedicated like over half a million dollars to try and get Congress to interact better together and to talk better together. That the, the idea was that. Um, yeah, that, that that the polarization had gotten so bad, people realized it was threatening our our free and democratic institutions. And what they did was they took um, they they had a retreat for con- uh, congresspersons in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and a, a really surprisingly high number, like sixty five percent of Congress, went to Hershey, Pennsylvania. They brought their families, and for three days they talked um, they talked about the, the issue of, of civility in Congress and how we can you know talk better together across the but more than that, there was an enormous amount of unstructured free time where the families and congresspersons just got together and they were able to um, just convene as citizens and as friends, regardless of political lines and political difference. And um, it was a remarkable success. After that sort of working retreat, um, Congress was back in session and there was just more camaraderie. There was more trust. And this was right after um, there had been this push to not move your family. If you're a member of Congress, not move your families to Washington to stay home, um, to be you know closer to your constituents. But the doubt, which I understand, but the downside of that is that you don't you don't 
you're not really um, you're there just to work and to vote, and, and there's not that trust. There's you don't not go to that, you don't, that your kids familiarity. Don't, your kids don't go to school together. Exactly. You, you don't go to religious things together. Exactly. Our guest on the program today. You're not you're not seeing each other socially. Yep. Our guest on the yep. program today is our Sorry. good friend Alexandra Hudson. She's the author of the Soul of Civility, Timeless Principles to Heal Society, and ourselves. It's a book by Saint Martin Press. We had a little bit later this year. So we're talking about uh, how do we sort of restore uh, civility to our public discourse, uh, to 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 our public dialogue. Uh, Alexa, uh, something else I thought was interesting too in, in this in this sort of you know uncivil society that we sort of have is sort of the the, resp- the the lack of respect for for differences. I remember back in the old days, you know, when we were, we were little kids, you know, we were stories about Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. Although they would disagree with each other, they would still go have dinner, work out their differences, and have sort of a healthy respect for each other. Now that almost seems like unheard of, and almost seems like heresy or political heresy in, in today's day and age. That's absolutely right. It's um, it's seen as compromising if you're fraternizing with the enemy, or even if you um, are sympathetic <laughs> with 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 you with your um, opposing person of an opposing view in any way, shape, or form. It's become so tribal that. To see them as another human being in any, in any regard is, is seen as a threat and dangerous. It's this very all-or-nothing um, essentialism. And it's really interesting. I talk about this in my book that we've, we've forgotten how to see people in, in their fullness and in their, in their complexity. Like we're, we're more than just how we vote. We're more than just um, where we, uh, yeah, who we support. Um, and, and, yet, and, and all of us come to our beliefs about the world around us for multifaceted, complex reasons. And yet we're often reduced and essentialized to one aspect of who we are. So what does it mean to uh, recover a more complex view of the human person? Um, And I have this idea of of unbundling people in my chapter on tolerance. And what that, it, it, it entails looking at, at um, the, the part in light of the whole. Like, yes, we may have, you may have an opinion on something that I, I think is wrong and disagree with Abdul, but I'm going to see that, or you may have done something terrible, or someone may have, you know, done or said something offensive or, or, or controversial, but I'm going to see that part in light of the whole and the whole being the irreducible dignity and worth that you possess as a member of the human community that we all possess as human beings. And, and, and like we live in this era of strange perfectionism where we want to cancel people. We want to destroy them, get, get them fired, make sure they never you know, walk in public again <laughs> with their head held high. We want to shame them because of one thing they've said or done, even if it was 20, 30 years ago, or even if it was something they're, they're you know, guilt by association. <laughs> and and that, is, that is such a bizarre and reduction, reductionistic view of the human person. What does it mean to have a fuller, more vibrant view of the human person that allows allows for mistakes. Alexander Pope, the English poet, said, to err is to be human. To forgive is to is, is divine. So what does it look like to to not just forgive, but also to reclaim this higher view of of the human person that is complex and multifaceted and, and, and more true? Alexa, Alexa, uh, Alexandra Hudson, our guest on the program today for a few more minutes, talking about her new book, uh, The Soul of Civility, Timeless Principles to Heal Society and Ourselves. And, and uh, Alexa, I want to say something uh, that, that I think is interesting uh, in your textbook as well, is that being civil does not necessarily mean having to agree with people all the time. And, and actually, a good disagreement and good robust discussion is actually necessary to have a civil society. 
That's exactly right. That is the um, the the core aspect of my book is that there's a, an essential difference between civility and politeness. And in fact, the difference between um, these two concepts it goes back to their Latin root. The Latin root for um, politeness is polier, which means to smooth or to polish, and that is what politeness does. It's just the manners, it's the etiquette that papers over difference, as opposed to giving us the tools to grapple with difference head on. The root word of civility is kivitas or kivis, so it's related to all things city and citizenship. And that's what civility is. It's the tool, it's, it's the disposition, the habits, and the, and, the, and the tools of being a citizen in a city, in a democracy. And again, sometimes that, that means telling a hard truth and that, that, you know, not flattering your boss and telling them that they, their, their new haircut looks great just because you're up for a promotion or your performance review is next week. And, and Abdul, for you, not, not, maybe not telling Sharon that <laughs> she looks great in a dress that isn't, that isn't as flattering. You know, you want to be honest. That's what, that's what being respectful, uh, that's what truly loving someone is. It's being honest with them, even if, even if it, it might be a hard truth. It's well, speaking well, the truth in love. That's the truly respectful thing to do. Well, when my wife is wearing something that isn't as, as flattering as it should be like honey you know what that's not bad but maybe i think you look better in this <laughs> there you go that there are ways to be tactful but also honest exactly or when it comes to your boss you know complimenting something in earnest that you actually can compliment honestly and not lie and patronize them and tell them a mistruth because it benefits you uh, our guest on the program today has been our good friend, uh, Alexandra Hudson. She authored the book, The Soul of Civility, Timeless Principles to Heal Society and Ourselves. The book will be available. It goes on sale uh, October 10th uh, by St. Martin Press. Um, by the way, uh, uh, Alexandra, appreciate you being with us today. Uh, appreciate uh, your discussion. Uh, uh, so if someone picks up this book, what is, the, what is the one big takeaway you want them to have? I want them to take away the sort of timelessness of this issue and, and, and the gravity of it, that the small things we do every day have big, big consequences. It's, it's really easy, Abdul, to look around us and be frustrated with the state of Congress, with, with, with what's going on in Washington, or even what's going on with our local leaders, or in the case of Indianapolis, you know, the fact that our roads aren't paved. <laughs> That's the frustration I have often. But I mean, instead of looking out at what we can't necessarily control, focusing on what we can control, which is how we choose to conduct ourselves in the everyday. Are we being decent and kind in the small ways to the cashier at the grocery store, to our Uber driver? Are we bringing our neighbors and our friends, you know, meals when they're sick or when they just had a baby? Are we being decent and benevolent and having the spirit of hospitality or the disposition of front porching, as I use in my books? And maybe we can talk about um, another time in our in our everyday because we can't change the world, but we can change ourselves. And if enough of us choose to reclaim the soul of civility, then we might be able to change the direction of our nation. And so I hope that that's um, something that we can reflect on on this Independence Day. All right. Well, our guest on the program today has been our good friend, Alexander Hudson, author of The Soul of Civility, Timeless Principles to Heal Society and Ourselves, a book available uh, in October. And uh, Alexi, when we get you back in studio or back on the phone, uh, we'll definitely have a conversation again about civility and our politics. And by the way, enjoy the rest of your vacation down in southern France. And by the way, connection worked out just fine. So... Excellent. Excellent to hear. Happy Independence Day, Abdul, and everyone listening. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.